We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And on today's show, we will be joined by John Krasinski of The Athletic. But before we get to John, I have a couple of quick announcements in regards to what the show is going to look like this season. First, um, I'm going to be doing more shows this year. Now, in addition to you know the, the one or two weekly longer form episodes that I've always done with local and national media people like the Brits, the Johns, Charks, um, I'm also going to be doing shows after every single Timberwolves game um, in addition to those. So if the Wolves play on a Monday night, you'll have a show from me wherever you get podcasts on Tuesday morning and so forth from there. Depending on how many games the Wolves play in a week, we're looking at four or five, who knows, maybe more. Um, shows shows per week. So we're ramping things up over here. The second point is I want to let you know that the show will remain free. There will not be a paywall. Um, this is how the show has always been uh, because I, I do want as many people that want to listen to the podcast to be able to listen to the podcast. And then also, if I'm being honest too, the more listeners and downloads, the more ad revenue is is generated. And that will be the, the, the one real difference you'll see um, going forward is that there will not be ads. Um, I'm sure that's something you're used to in, in the other pods you listen to, and it will become a part of the process here. But the third part, and, and most important uh, to me, is that, is that that ad revenue will not be enough for me to run this show independently. 
as many of you know, um, I'm not with zone coverage this year as I have been um, for the past few seasons. I don't have a full-time employer. I'm doing this thing on my own. And to do this with the volume and the quality I hope to, I will need additional uh, financial support. So I've created a $5 a month Patreon at patreon.com slash MBA. I know this isn't something that every one of you will be able to afford, and I, I totally get that. There are some podcasts out there I would pay five bucks a month for, and some I wouldn't. Um, the question I guess I'm asking you to ask yourself is, is Dane's pod worth five bucks a month to me? And again, if the answer is no, you'll still be able to listen for free. Uh, but if you can, let me prove it to you that, uh, that the show will be, will be comprehensive this season. It will, be more, it will definitely be more than it has been in the past, and in my opinion, um, it's going to be unique to anything else out there related to the Timberwolves. I'll, I'll still be credentialed by the Timberwolves, so I'll be at the games, and I'll have access to the coaches and players, however that shakes out in regards to everything uh, with COVID this year. And I'm, I'm not going to squander that. I'm, I'm going to bring it. Uh, I, I don't know exactly where this Timberwolves team is going, but, but I am tepidly optimistic that this year could be one of the most um, in, intriguing from a basketball standpoint in years. And, and for me, I think that's just kind of right in my strike zone. So wherever this team does go, um, I'm going to be there. And if you can support me in that with five bucks a month, I, I won't forget that. I'm, I'm going to remember this year for sure. So again, patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dane Moore MBA. Five bucks a month if you can. And if you can't, I understand that too. Either way, let's have a year. And uh, what better way to start that than by having a show with John Krasinski the day before training camp. Let's get it. All right, John Krasinski from The Athletic. We're here. We actually just recorded about eight minutes, and I messed it up. I didn't hit record. Um, I'm excited for the season, or something is going on. Um, seriously, though, it is, it is here. The um, training camp starts tomorrow. The first preseason games in 12 days. The Wolves don't have a full roster. 22 days till the regular season. Um, basketball's here. John, are you, are you ready for Minnesota Timberwolves season while you are a stay-at-home dad slash first grade teacher? Uh, no, I'm not ready for it, but I'm also ready for it. Like, you know, it's been eight and a half months or whatever it's been since we've had any basketball to cover, uh, any games to go to. And as much as I love being around my kids all the time and teaching them and doing all that stuff, will it be nice to get out of the house and go to a game? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, even though it could be long days and long nights and all that stuff, um, I, I'm very much looking forward to getting the season back started and trying to figure this whole thing out. Who knows how it's going to go? Who knows what COVID is going to have in store for the league, for all of us. Um, but just getting basketball out on the court again um, and, and having a team that I think is going to be incredibly interesting to follow, whether they're sure. successful or not, um, I'm super pumped for it. I think it's going to be a really interesting season. You're probably seeing it in our, you know, engagement numbers and in our, you know, and all fans are really excited, I think, for this. So, uh, yeah, I want. I want. We don't know what it's gonna be, right? Like the basketball standpoint. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's the most played out thing ever right now. It's the, the you know, though the D'Lo and Cat only played one game together, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. that. That's the thing. Like we don't know what the basketball is gonna look like. Then throw in the whole factor that there's a Anthony Edwards is now on the team. Ricky Rubio's on the team. There's so many 
so many different things that have have changed at the basketball. I'm I'm, I'm excited to make the basketball the main thing yes. here. It's felt it's felt honestly, man, since like Jimmy, it's felt like basketball hasn't been the thing, right? Yep. It's just been it's that's been this secondary thing on the side, and you know, to some extent that you know. <laughs> pays the bills you just <laughs> the jimmy jimmy's good for clicks but like yeah. at the end of the day you and i both are in this because we love basketball mm-hmm. we want to talk about what's what's going out on the floor and it, it we're going on on the floor and and that's that's going to matter again now and i'm i think we're both just on the same page there excited for for something real to actually happen yeah for sure and especially like when you when you juxtapose it against the start of last year like we knew even even though they started out and they were winning games like we knew that this was a team and a roster that did not fit what they wanted to do stylistically systematically so you knew that like in some ways that this was kind of a farce like a and it's not even like this is not an indictment on rosas this is not indictment it's just when, when you take over a franchise and you want to make the drastic changes that they clearly wanted to make, you can't do it overnight. And so you had to do it the way that they did it. But those first few months are like, man, they're playing this style of play that they are absolutely ill-equipped for. So but winning, least, yeah. <laughs> that's what the weird part was. You're like, wait a minute. Are yeah. they playing like 3D chess here? It was Yeah, yeah. It was and, and so then, bizarre. yeah. And so now at least going into this one, it feels like a team that is closer to the identity that they want to have, whether they're there or not, we'll see, but it, it, it does feel like this will be kind of a more legitimate test for how does this all look? How, what kind of a coach is Ryan? What kind of stars are, are D'Lo and Cat? What, you know, is Beasley ready for the responsibility? What, what does Anthony Edwards look like? Like all of this stuff is going to be put together in a puzzle that fits together a lot better. And so that's going to be a, a cool way to really evaluate, you know, the basketball side of all of this, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of vision quest that they have been on. So th- th- I'm very much looking forward to that. And they don't have a first round pick. And they don't. So they should be trying to, so I mean, win. honestly though, like they were incentivized mm-hmm. in ways last year to not win as much. You know, there was, there was that on the other side of it. So I think we're both on the same page. They're like, let's actually, I'm excited to see what Ryan can do. Yes. I don't feel like he's gotten a shot to Agreed. do that. hundred percent. There's a lot of people that want him fired that think he's the worst ever, but it's just like, you see everything that he's had to deal with over the last year and a half. Now, how can you possibly know? Maybe he is really not a very good coach and not ready yeah, for this. Maybe he's right. a great coach. Maybe somewhere in you between. Wouldn't be able like to know most. either way. Yeah, you have no yep. idea until we actually see him get this opportunity. And lo and behold, it comes in a COVID situation where everything's <laughs> going to be messed up. So the the poor guy yeah. has not really had a very good hand dealt to him over this first, you know, eighteen to twenty months of of his coaching career here. No, he hasn't. Um, I think tomorrow, the the first day of training camp kind of signals uh, the the shift out of off-season mode and into, uh, you know, what, what the, the actual basketball. But today's a good day to just kind of put a pin on what did happen in the off-season. And, and you wrote a great piece at The Athletic that kind of highlighted all the moves that were made and, and some of the moves that, that weren't made through there. And, you know, and, and, and with that, you know, that kind of, to me, a little bit helped me think about, all right, what – what is Rosas thinking here? What is Ryan thinking here? What what is what are they what are they trying to to put together? So I want to kind of run through a few of those. And the one that you started with 
in your story, which I thought was an interesting angle, was just, you know, the idea that they were into bringing in Ricky Rubio in a way further highlights how much they wanted Anthony Edwards. Mm -hmm. Because because if they brought in the mellow ball, you know, there would be the two the two lead ball handlers things, there'd be that overlap with D'Angelo Russell. So in ways, LaMelo and Ricky are facsimiles for each other. So, so it, it indicates that if, if LaMelo Ball was their, their top-rated prospect, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have had concerns about bringing him in because the overlap would be, have been the exact same there. You said you, you talked to some, you know, some people in the office and the coaching staff there. I guess this is a loaded question. How do you see the Ricky Rubio scenario shaking out? Yeah, so like... I'll, I'll, I'll admit, like, when this sort of hypothesis came to me, I I thought I was really onto something. Like, I thought, you know, okay, because, you know, Rubio and, and Ball have similar playing styles, they're great elite passers, um, not known as good shooters. I think Rubio is clearly a better shooter than Ball is, like, right now, at least in this stage. But, yep. um, but that just the similar styles, you know, what it said was, that the Wolves were not scared of pairing D'Angelo Russell with uh, another player of that ilk. And so mm-hmm. that, yeah, if if they decided that, you know what, Ball is the best talent here, um, we're going to take him. I thought that that, you know, that really did kind of underscore that, that they really thought that that Edwards was, was the clear upside pick. And, and I still uh, totally agree and, and believe that that was the case. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I will say that in talking to people and running that theory by them, they were, you know, they said, yeah, you know, that's part of it, but clearly like their, their bigger vision Motivator. for adding Rubio was the leader, um, the organizer, you know, the, the depth piece. Um, he's 30 years old. He's an adult. Like, you, when you when you put the Lamelo and, and Ricky next to each other in an evaluation standpoint, maybe they have some similarities from their games in the offensive part of it. A, Ricky's a much better defender right now. B, like he's just so experienced, and so I think there's also this part of it where with D'Angelo Russell and Rubio, I think Rubio is going to be able to play alongside Russell or supplement Russell a lot more easily than a guy like LaMelo Ball, who's just 18, 19 years old and just doesn't know how to do this yet and how to fit in, will do it. And so Rubio is going to be a lot more diplomatic. He's going to be a lot, uh, he's going to, you know, just see things a lot more clearly and be able to help D'Angelo without him feeling like he doesn't, like he's lost control of this offense, you know? Um, and you know, look, Ricky and played with Donovan Mitchell. He played with Devin Booker. He knows now how to play off the ball a lot better than he, than he did when he was here last time. And and that's just a fact. That's just, yeah, that's just plain and simple. And I do think that, you know, it gives Ryan someone that he trusts and someone that he won't be afraid to play those two together, Russell and Rubio, just like he wasn't afraid to play Russell and McLaughlin together plenty of times, but also if they ended up make, bringing him off the bench, which I think is probably a likelihood, uh, that you always have a playmaker on the floor. Like you always have a quarterback of your offense on the floor. Right. And I think 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking around a story for tomorrow, you know, just kind of looking at the starting lineup possibilities that Ryan has. And I, I think well, that John, can we just, we just got to pin it down right now. Yeah. Ricky's yeah. Not yeah. Starting. Let's do it. Let's Ricky's see. not yeah. starting. Let's Perfect. just, let's just, I mean, let's call it. And it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. people are going to get all caught up on this. Like Ricky's going to come off the bench mm-hmm. and, and it's going to be, it's going to be the classic line you're going to hear is it's not who starts it, who, fin- who finishes. And I don't think that's going to be BS from Ryan or Gersh or whoever says it. Like that's what, it, <laughs> that's what's going to be. And that's what makes most sense. We, we've seen this from Ryan with Kat. You remember when Kat would, that he's had two separate things where Kat would play like the first five minutes and then he'd come out so he could start with the second group. Yep. Or he's also done the other thing with Kat, play him the full 12 in the first quarter and then bring him back in late in the second quarter. Like, it is going to be the challenge for Ryan is going to be about effectively finessing the rotation. That is the bigger question than what the starting lineup is, mm-hmm. and and that's what that's what the the Rubio question is. I I think I mean I I I don't I mean we'll see. Training camp's got to happen, but I'd be shocked if Ricky Rubio is is starting day one. But I'd also be shocked if Ricky Rubio is playing like under 20 minutes. No, yeah. I'd still think he's going to get up. It's going to be like Dennis Schroeder last year, right? Yes. Like where it's 28, 29, 30 minutes, but it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be about who finishes, not who starts. Well, yeah. And, and then the other thing that I think is really what they're looking at hard is like, I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense, especially in this compressed training camp um, without a summer league to, bring Anthony Edwards off the bench with Rubio and like Rubio can really help him along um, early on in his career, get him the good shots that he wants, get him into the flow of the offense, work those things down. Maybe they look, maybe Anthony Edwards just looks great in training camp and you say, well, we got to start this guy at the three. Like maybe that's, that's That's what I'm betting on, man. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I think that there's a real possibility that, it's, you know, that it's Edwards and Rubio chained together early on, just like when Rubio came over here from Spain and did not start right away. They needed to kind sure. of like just feather him in and there will get to be a point where it's undeniable where, okay, you know, Edwards is just so ready for this now. And he is so physically dominant that it will fit well and everything will go great. But I think there's a great argument for, a Russell Beasley Okogi starting group mm-hmm. where Josh gives you some perimeter defensive help. And, and, and that's and, the, that's the other option. Him. Like that's, sure. that's the thing that I'm looking at early. Cause then you can say, Hey, look, Anthony, no pressure, no pressure. We're just going to, you have not had any idea. You're not even, we don't even know if, is he really in shape? Like we don't know any of this stuff yet. So just take, I think, take I easy. think that will be, if that happens, I think that will be more about the fact that training camp is so well, that's compressed it. and all exactly. that. Yeah. Like that, that's it. He's going to have, he will have had no summer league. He doesn't know any part of this system yet. And, <laughs> you know, um, and, and they'll have, they're, they're going to have five days of individual work starting Tuesday and then five days of teamwork. And then they're playing games, right. you know, like, holy bleep, like that, sure. that's an unbelievable timeline. And so to me, like if he's still the first overall pick though, man, it's like, but, but I don't know. We'd have to go through it. We'd have to go through it. When was the last first overall pick who didn't start the first game of the year? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, but, but here's, but here's the the thing that Gerson has said is that, um, which is, I believe is true. And to a degree is most of the first overall picks go to dumpster fires like Charlotte, 
go to Cleveland, you know, and, and like here you have Russell right, and right, Cap. Right. Like, like most most teams do not have now we can debate on whether Russell and Cat are Westbrook and Durant or level kind of tandems, <laughs> but right. what, what they are clearly established as the franchise right now. And so I all of the rhetoric around Anthony Edwards from the Wolves camp since he's been drafted is we have to put a good foundation around him. They have to we have to help him kind of find his way. And I I really believe that there is a a part of them that wants to nurture as much as you know throw him in the deep end and say hey let's see if you swim or not because you know that that's the kind of thing like Anthony Bennett was not a good player but like he was starting right away and you know just in over his head immediately and it was over like it was gone sure. and so. I'm not saying that Edwards is Anthony Bennett, but what I'm saying is, is that I think that they are very cognizant of trying to put him in the best position possible to succeed for the long term, and that's why I don't think that there's going to be a rush to put him in that starting lineup. Maybe I'll be wrong, um, no, but no. I, I just don't think that there will be. I th- this is kind of random, but I've been thinking about it a lot, and I wasn't around uh, covering the team when Zach Levine was here. That was mm. would have been. Yeah, the his final year was the year before I started, and but obviously you know I watched the team and you know followed it from afar. Do you get this is just random? Do you get similar um, Zach Levine vibes like as a person to Anthony Edwards? Yeah, I, I think so. Like now that you mentioned it, I hadn't thought about it before, but I absolutely see it. I mean, they're both like these vibrant personalities, like these fun-loving right. dudes um, with this otherworldly athletic gifts. Yeah. Um, and you know, and people are drawn to that. People are like, drawn. Like, to I it. think people, a lot of people were like as drawn to Zach as they were Wiggins, what, you know, even 100%. before like the bloom. Hey, yeah, it, like, if you had like, like I can say now, like if you gave flip a, you know, uh, a, a lie detector test, um, when he was around and who he thought was going to be the better player and who was going to be the one that they hitched a wagon to guarantee you Zach Levine, like he would have said it. And so there's no Damn. question in my mind that he would have parted with Wiggins before he parted with Levine. Let's, you know, if they're both healthy, all those things, if they're in a similar position of needing to move one of those guys, he just like, sure. he really thought that highly of him. And, you know, Levine was the glue between Wiggins and Carl, like Wiggins and Cat always got along fine and great, but they're just so different personality wise and mm-hmm. and and Zach was just kind of this guy that everyone enjoyed being around and who was cracking jokes and who kept everyone light and loose and just Edwards kind of, totally seems like that's what he's gonna be that's what he is yeah and there's this kind yeah. of like natural wonderment with like Zach like the, it was just like right yeah man like this is what I do I'm having fun I'm getting out there and I'm gonna go try and dunk on someone <laughs> you know like and I think that's what Edwards is. Yeah. So I yeah. think that can be very good for the chemistry of a locker room and for, you know, he is definitely not, you know, he, he's gotten some comparisons to Wiggins with the motor or, or, or things like that. But as personalities, I think that's the comp, man. Oh, it's, I think it's yeah, Levine. Yeah, it, it, I, I think that's a good, that's a good call by you. I think it's much closer to Levine than it is to, to Wiggins for sure. I'll take a take a quick break, and then I want to ask you about the uh, the signings that they made, the Wancho and Malik Beasley signings. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. 
Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. All right, John, so the, the, basically the whole free agency process was bring back their own players, which was Malik Beasley and, and Wancho Hernan Gomez. To be fair to the front office, they told us all along. That was what was going to happen. Um, given how the process kind of shook out, and you can choose either Path Wancho or or Malik, um, did did it go as they expected? Did it go as as you expected? The process for signing those two players? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, I think it it ended up in the place where we probably both thought it was going to, but a little different circumstances. Like I'll I will admit. Um, when I first saw 460 come across from Malik Beasley, I, that surprised me. Like, I didn't think it was that going to be that large of a number. Now, um, when you look at the context of it and it's actually 343 or 344, that's a little more in line, but still the, the 15 ish was a little bit higher than I thought, just given everything that he's had to deal with outside of, of, of the, of the court. And also, just the market itself and the lack of money in it. But um, with Beasley in particular, what you see is if he is going to, if the legal issues resolve in a way that, that keeps it from him missing large amounts of time. And if he is just playing basketball for this team, um, you look at George. He's worth it. Yeah, you look at Jordan Clarkson, you look at Marcus Morris, you look at, you know, Davis Bertans, Jeremy Grant, like um, all these guys that got big, big money that are right on the same tier of him, although, you know, Beasley's a little younger. Um, but the way that Beasley fits into what this offense is 
and what they need from him, uh, he's gonna it, 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 he's going to fulfill that contract. I, I I really do believe that's the case. And then you know you bring in the element of having competition, real competition for him, which I believe was the case in report at the Athletic that I, the New York Knicks were absolutely in on him, and they had told Beasley's camp that um, if they missed out on Gordon Hayward that they were going to come after Beasley. And as we know, the Knicks always miss out on free agents in the summertime. And so it was absolutely reasonable for the Wolves to assume that they, the Knicks were not getting Gordon Hayward, which means then they would come after Beasley with a lot of money instead of going after bargain bin like Austin Rivers and, and, and a few of the others that they went after and really try to upgrade their talent. And then they could have messed with the Wolves in terms of the way that the deal was structured, all of that stuff. So it, in in all of those ways, when you add all of that context, really important context into the conversation, it does make a lot more sense that they were very aggressive with Beasley out of the gate and that they locked him down to a deal that they really believe is something they're comfortable with and something that they were able to dictate the terms with. And again, like I still think that three years is a very short amount of time. And so they are, that's not going to be an anvil around their necks provided that Beasley is not a serial um, rule step line stepper over of the rules and is either suspended or in trouble with the law or other things like that. Yeah. And I, the, that's all the thing I just want to hammer home is like, we, we can, you can think what you want to think about. It. I can think what I think about it. Anybody else can think what they think about it, but he was a free agent who went out into a market and it is reasonable to say that he got paid at his market value, whether right. it be New York, which we know both of us for a fact that was that offer was coming. Mm -hmm. We don't know what the exact terms of it would have been, but I think it's reasonable to assume given the space they had and given that Malik's 24 years old, they're kind of building something there. Like I think an offer close to the 344 was, was probably coming in. It wouldn't have came in in the same structure, but even not, if you want to check, scratch that off, say magically they get Hayward, you know, cause they're, they're all, if you're the wolves for an office, you're just guessing, right? Right. You're guessing what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like you go, well, it's not just the Knicks. I know there's not a lot of cap space teams out there, but I think it's completely reasonable to consider Atlanta. If 100%. they weren't able to get Bogdan Bogdanovich, to, they, that you know, looked like they were going to get him. Like the the Bucks right. had him, <laughs> exactly. And, and and then and yes, the, the the reverse of that too. If now the Bucks are like, oh shoot, we didn't get we didn't get Bogdanovich. Who's the closest thing on the market to Bogdanovich? Like if the Wolves let this play out, I guarantee the Bucks get into the mix, and that's a whole another separate conversation because you know now it's maybe a sign and trade, and maybe Divincenzo's coming back to Minnesota. Like who knows? But my greater point is that I don't love the number. I don't think anybody should love the number, but it's fine. And it was at what his market value was. Somebody else would have given it to him. And so if it's important for them to, to hang on to that first round pick asset that they gave up, I totally get them getting out ahead of it, making the signing. And the contract is set up in a way that fits their books perfectly. The fourth year is a team option. Like, to that end and to what the player basketball player is, Malik Beasley, I'm totally, I'm totally with that deal. The question marks, as you laid out, is where's where's Malik? You know, where's Malik in his head? We don't know. I, I don't know. Right. We're we're doing some guessing. We're hearing we're hearing some things. I personally I I don't know. I, I have some concerns about how that is gonna all play out. 
but that could I could so easily be be proven wrong on that. And I think if you're a Timberwolves fan, you should be excited about Malik Beasley being on this team next year. It's not just Cat and D'Lo anymore. Right. It's Cat and D'Lo and Beasley, who is for sure a starting caliber player, and Ricky Rubio, who is a, a starting caliber player and a first overall pick. Like that's it. Not make probably not making the playoffs, but that's it. We now have an interesting core to start talking about this team and thinking about, all right, we know what direction they're moving in. Wouldn't you say Malik's a big part of that? For sure. Yeah, 100%. Like he, when you look at what he brings to the table, it's unique in that roster. Like the flamethrower from three, um, he's aggressive, he can get to the rim. Uh, he has some athleticism that I don't even think he really showed as much um, in the 14 games with the Wolves. I think he was a much more of a three-point shooter and a volume three-point shooter, but they need that. Like that's, they need a floor spreader space. More than an athlete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so he also is what we do know. He is a worker. Like, I mean, he's always in the gym. Um, he has an edge to him. And maybe that'll be good. Maybe that'll be bad. And sometimes we'll have to see how that navigates and just kind of the ego element of things and see how that goes. But in general, as a player, um, mm -hmm. the, it's been very few and far between uh, in the Wolves history as a franchise of having those dynamic wings, you know, especially dynamic young wings. I mean, they brought Spreewell in the one year, you know, you had Wiggins and Levine for a little bit and all that, but it, you know, Beasley, you can legitimately put him up there in the conversation of just young, dynamic wing player who can fill it up and who will compete his ass off. Like that's, 100%. I think that's what a lot of this is what they want to build around. Now, they also clearly trust themselves in being able to help him through any issues that he's having off the court. I know Carl Towns has been at his place. Um, Rosas and Saunders pride themselves on being kind of engaging leaders that way and, and stuff. And so it, that'll be up to them, but in, in making this offer and doing it this way, they have, they're betting on themselves that their evaluation of Beasley, the player and Beasley, the person is better than anybody else's that, that outside. And that's, that's, that's their prerogative that's their thing. Yep. That's exactly their thing. And so he fits uh, as a player, just a pure player, like he fits exactly what they want to do. And, um, and I mean, shoot, the, you know, you remember like his first game with against the Clippers, like, I mean, he was on just a man on fire and, and <laughs> the fans freaking loved it. They just, yeah. he is a guy that I think will endear himself to fans. If he is able to show some contrition for what he's done up off the court and then just build on what he did on the court like all of that will be fine and um and so it's it's going they, they, they're going to be they're going to have tough covers on this team and you know for a team that so was, we, we all, so often saw Culver Okogi Trevion Graham you know these guys kind of not put any pressure on an opposing defense like Beasley's going to put a hell of a lot of pressure on them and that's I think that's what they want the Wancho contract played out differently, mm -hmm. whereas the Wolves, I mean, if very basically the Wolves wanted to get out ahead of it with Beasley and say, we don't want to let you go out and get an offer because that will either be more than we want to pay or it'll be set up in a way that we won't want to pay it. They took the opposite tact with, with Wancho, 
who initially wanted, as you reported, $10 million a year. And they said, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough market out there. Go prove to us that you have that offer out there. Essentially, I don't know if you want to call that calling the bluff or whatever. And ultimately, he came back and signed a three-year deal for $21 million, the third deal of which is the third year of the deal is non-guaranteed. So functionally, the same thing as we got going on with Beasley. Um, like, for you, were you thinking that even once he was out there testing the water, that that was still a likely thing that he was ultimately – going to come back or, or how close to him bouncing was it? I, you know, I, I don't think he was really close to bouncing Dane, like, because I think the wolves read the market perfectly. I mean, this was a clearly a market that had a lot of power forwards available, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there was Jim Michael green, there was, you know, a million different guys that were Paul Millsap. There's a ton of different guys that were out there on the market available and were getting snatched up as the, the, the free agency played out. And so there just weren't many dance partners that were going to give Wancho, you know, anything more than the Wolves were offering. They knew that. So I thought at the end of the day, I thought there was one of two paths. He was coming back here either way, but it was either for what the Wolves wanted from a multi-year contract, or he was going to take the qualifying offer and go back mm -hmm. into free agency next summer. I thought that was a possibility. Um, but Obviously, you know, I think he took a little bit of security, you know, in these uncertain times and 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 got and, and got the multi-year deal. Um, so I never thought that they were in danger of losing Wancho, but I do think it it's important to note that as much as they wanted Wancho back, which they absolutely did, I think that there was absolutely some efforts to see if there they could upgrade from a starting level position there where you know watch would be a backup uh or a rotation member but not the starter so they did you know have conversations with jay crowder they did have conversations with uh jamichael green uh with paul Millsap, with a bunch of these power forwards that were out there with their they, with derrick jones jr as the new york times reported like the, the the pitch that the wolves gave derrick jones jr was one that almost made him you think twice about going to portland so uh, so they were very aggressive in trying to see if there was another option out there that fit a little bit more with what they want to do, because as, as good of a shooter as Wancho is, I think defensively still an issue size, you know, those things are going to be an issue, but um, you know, they also, they, they, they explored trade opportunities for PJ Tucker, Larry Nance, a bunch of other players. Yeah. Too. I want to, I want to walk through some of those. Yeah. So, so let's start with the, let's start with this because because again, we're going to do the revisionist history thing on this, where, where fans will, and it's going to be should have gone out and got a power forward. Right. And as you reported, they had talks with Paul Millsap, Jay Crowder, and who's the Michael who's Green, the Michael Derek Green. Jones Jr. Yeah, yep. yes. And and now, what's not to go all cap dork, but like what's what's important to acknowledge is the Wolves only had the mid level exception, right? So Paul Millsap signs a one year, ten million dollar offer with the Denver Nuggets. On a one-year offer, the most the Wolves could offer was $9.3 million. So that's the mid-level exception. Like, they got, they got outbid right there. Now, you could say maybe you throw Millsap a couple years, you get some security. Who knows if he even wants that. That's like the – you can maybe make that argument. But what is – Millsap's like 36? Yeah, yeah, and he really looked bad in the bubble too. So, like, you, you don't know what you're getting with him. You just don't. I, I just the, – the point is that, like, the, the Wolves had this – they had the mid-level, 9.3 yeah. 9 
a year, you know, or it, it, you know, accelerates a little bit. That's ultimately what Jay Crowder, another guy you reported, signed for. He signed for the mid-level in Phoenix. Three years, $30 million. To play with Chris Paul with a team that's a little bit closer. Right? That's what I'm saying. Yep, yep. That's what I'm saying is it's like the it's not that the Wolves got outbid or could have bid more. They couldn't have bid more. Right. So there you go. That's just – that's the end of that part of the corn maze, right, mm-hmm. with Crowder. And then, and then it's, you know – Derek Jones Jr. literally signed for the mid-level exception, and he signed for it in Portland, which that make you know that yep. makes some sense. It was a two-year deal, and he's got a player option on the second year, mm-hmm. which is something I'm pretty sure this front office wouldn't be cool with. Mm-hmm. And you know, you couldn't really have outbid it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's an argument you can make is like you offer him a four-year deal or something, and he locks down more security. But we don't know. We don't know. Is that more attractive to Derek Jones? Again, there's this wall you run into. The one is Jermichael Green. He didn't. He only got seven. A year, seven and then seven and a half the next year. So the Wolves could have outbid that. But now with your Michael Green, we've moved down a tier in quality of player Correct. from the Millsaps to the Joneses to whatever. And so you could say, well, why don't they throw the full mid-level at your Michael Green for multiple years? Well, we sure that's a good contract. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the thing that Gerson, Sashin, those guys were like, we are not taking on a contract that we think has a reasonable chance of becoming a quote-unquote bad contract in a year. And if you start getting them nine the second year, 10 or something, which are Michael Green, you know, there's, a, there's a risk there. So I think those things are all important to acknowledge and, and maybe to be excited about that this team was pursuing addressing the power forward position. But short of <laughs> gutting the roster to create roster space, which was cap space, which was impossible, they, had no, they did not have the means to really outbid any of these teams for those players. And I just think that's that's really important for people to know. Yeah, it, it, it's important. Absolutely that. And and like there's also kind of this little butterfly effect um, thing that happened as well where Jeremy Grant gets the offer from the Pistons. Yep. And the Nuggets, who I am told like from inside that organization were ready to match that offer for Jeremy Grant. And they wanted to keep him at the 360, whatever it was. And, 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 but Jeremy Grant says, no, I'm not going to stay with the Western conference finalists with this team on the rise <laughs> going to with Detroit. this, you know, unbelievable organization that has come up out in Denver. I'm going to Detroit. And I, just because I can get more shots and because Grant decided to go to Detroit, if he would have stayed in Denver, there's a good chance you Michael Green is a Timberwolf because or maybe even Millsap. Or maybe even Millsap, because once once Grant went elsewhere, the Nuggets had to sc- had to scramble and kind of fill in depth wise. And so, I can't blame Jermichael Green for saying, "I'm going to take seven and a half million from right. the Nuggets, who were in the Western Conference Finals and have you know this great core already set to go, rather than come to Minnesota and do that." And 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 so yeah, I mean, I think that's the part of it. The other part of it is that I think people often see, okay, when the dust settles on free agency in the draft, this is the team. Like, this is the roster. That's going to be it for the rest of the year. No, 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 no. Like, they're going to go into the season with the roster like this, but mm-hmm. Rosas and Gupta and all these guys are going to be seeing how the market shakes out. And maybe Houston doesn't want to trade P.J. Tucker right now, but maybe as soon as they trade Harden, Maybe all of that changes. You know, maybe Cleveland starts yep. out horribly and Larry Nance becomes 
more available than he was. Maybe there's another power forward that we just don't have any idea about from another team that becomes available and they will, will not hesitate to make a trade if they think they can upgrade that position without giving up more than they want to give up. And so this, this roster is still so very much in flux. I mean, yeah, you have Cat and D'Lo, you have Edwards, you know, Ru- even like Rubio, it's great to have him back, but is there a possibility that he gets shipped out next summer? Um, yeah, there's a, there's that possibility. I mean, Mike Malik Beasley, now you have that $15 million chunk that can be aggregated with others. That's what I'm saying. To go get, like that's, <laughs> that's the way these guys work. So it's the way the, and it's the way the league works. The way now the entire too. league and, works. Yes. And, and Gerson and this front office has shown they're on the far side of that spectrum and their willingness to shake it up and, and, and churn the roster. Right. And, and I, I think it's really important. And the three guys you brought up that they attempted to trade for, or at least had talks about were Aaron Gordon, PJ Tucker, and Larry Nance. Those are names to think about and to keep not even the back of our mind, probably closer to the front of our mind because we've seen a pattern of behavior from Gerson Rosas where they pursued D'Angelo Russell in the offseason, didn't ultimately land him in the offseason, but traded it for him at the deadline. We saw with Ricky Rubio last summer, they pursued him in the offseason. And then ultimately the next summer or the next, whatever this is now, fall, winter, whatever, they, they traded, they, they traded for him. So th- those are names, you know, those are names to think about and it's what I've been saying for a long time is like, that is the type of power forward that they want. Right. It's I, I, people think I love Aaron Gordon because I talk about him. A lot. I got, no, I think that is like watch an Orlando magic game, turn on some highlights, watch how Aaron Gordon plays power forward. That's the type of dude they want. Or when the other archetype forward. So. when he's like, yeah, well, that's the problem, <laughs> yeah, right. but the, that type of dude or Larry Nance is, I think that this team will eventually at some point want to bring in, you know, that classic high flying set of screen, roll to the rim, run the floor sort of guy. Larry Nance can't shoot but that, but we think we've gotten too far in thinking that is some prerequisite for playing for the Timberwolves. It's not Mm-mm. like that. That's the type of dude. So I think it was, it was good. You, you, you brought up those names and, and put them in there and they're names that we should keep on our mind as, as players that, yeah, what, what are the Cavs going to be come the trade deadline? Right. Who knows? They got a million power forwards, right. big guys. Like Aaron Gordon, who knows what Orlando's got to have shaken, you know, down down the line there too. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at all if one of those guys are on the Timberwolves come the the, the trade deadline of this season. Entirely possible. Yeah, you know, um they will look at kind of how their season is going, you know, what they have with Wancho, Jake Lehman, Vanderbilt, like all of these other pieces, yeah. and, but yeah, they, they're not going to hesitate at all if um, if one of the guys they really likes, they really like, you know, they can get their hands on. Because especially, all you know, Tucker Tucker's different. He's he's older, right? He is different. Yeah. Uh, but Nance Gordon are young, kind of in what what Gerson set, talks about the 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 timeline of Cat and D'Lo. Like those guys fit in. That could be long term solutions. I like the idea of Tucker as a short term solution as a just a guy who is, will come in and do all the dirty work and kick people's asses for on, on the defense and hit corner threes. Like, great. You know, it's not a long-term solution, but it would help them, you know, if they could get, uh, you know, if they wouldn't have to give up too much to get a guy like that for, for a playoff push. Like if they're in position to go for that 10 seed, 
down the stretch sure. or something like that. Maybe, you know, yeah, that's, that's what we got to look well, and, at. Right. And man, and Wancho and Wancho signed up backup money. Yeah, exactly. Six, seven a year is backup money. Like, yep. I mean, I think you actually wrote it. You said surefire starter. Like you think Wancho yeah. is, I, I don't, I don't know who else. It would exactly. Be. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I mean, in a perfect world, I would guess that, you know, if they could wave a magic wand that Jared Vanderbilt would all of a sudden be this really ready to go right. supreme rebounder, super bouncy guy and just go in there and, and sharp elbows and just, and just do it. But there's no way, like he's not ready. He may get some minutes. Mm -hmm. Like they may dip their toe in the water and stuff with somebody like that. But Wancho is like the four, you're not going to start at Davis. Like that's not, that's mm -hmm. not going to happen. So you see Davis is like a five, right? Yeah. Like a yep. cat backup. Yep. I think so. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Nas, like, and like how they. But that's fine. If Nas minutes. is your third center. For like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a, whatever. That's, that's cool. Yep. I think last thing, and you know, who knows, maybe even by the time that we post this, it'll all be shaken out. What do, what do you think is going to happen with uh, J-Mac? I think he's going to come back. Spot? Like I, I, you know, similar to Wancho, I, I think that from what I understand, like he has tried to look around and see if there is a good, good deal waiting for him. And mm -hmm. unfortunately not, you know, the you, um, point guard is one of the deepest positions in the league. And, you know, I think Bobby Marks tweeted out the other day that like 92% of the roster spots are filled right now in the league. Wow. And wow. so there just is not much work to go around. And so I think the Wolves, understandably and probably smartly, are, you know, kind of sticking to whatever they're offering him. But they also yeah. know that, like, they need a third point guard. Like, they need uh, another... Well, particularly if Ricky's going to play alongside D'Lo. Exactly that. And also both Rubio and D'Lo historically miss games during the season. True. Like, let's True. not That's even think about COVID. Let's just think about injuries um, and, and things like that. And so you hope those guys will stay healthy the whole way and play all 72, but chances are they're not going to. And so, like, the opportunity, I think, for McLaughlin is here to play. And I think that's what he should be looking at. And so I think ultimately that will be what happens. I mean, I know Ronda Howard Jefferson is out there. I don't – I mean, I think they're, they've had interest, but I don't think it's quite as, you know, hot as maybe some people have kind of made it out to be. I think they just rather have McLaughlin back there and, 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 and play him. And so um, right. they, they, he, there's a bigger need at point guard right now for them uh, than there is for RHJ who can defend, but it doesn't do a whole lot else for you. Right. And, and I think your point is salient. The, the first one is that the roster's not done. Right. Like there, there's, there, there's more to come and that could come, you know, could be 10 games into the year mm -hmm. and somebody could be signed. Like it's clearly the deadline <laughs> to get the round out. The roster wasn't trading camp. That's it starts right. tomorrow and there's an open spot. So there's There's going to be some churn with this roster, but also like we said that last year and it was almost more daunting. Like you're like, Oh, maybe, we don't even like, I think we know the rotation guys are going to be here. Like we know what the rotation is. You're going to iron out that 15th spot, you know, guarantees here and there. But I think pretty much this team's ready to roll. This is the group. Wancho's Wancho's the starter. I think, I think Ricky's coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. We'll see with Edwards, um, what they ultimately end up, you know, doing there, but we have an, a good idea of what this core is. And it was way different than if we had a conversation two weeks ago, what we, what we would have said, this is, this is different. Yeah. It's I, yeah. It's just like, that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to is like, I, I think we're going to have a better idea of what 
the identity looks like for this team in terms of mm-hmm. you know, they are closer. They're not there yet, but they're closer to what they want to be personnel wise matching up with schematics. And, mm-hmm. and so you would think that that is going to unlock some of their ability together to, to play well and to be competitive and all those things like, what does that mean? I, I don't know necessarily in the Western Conference what that means, but I do think that the nights of watching a team play a complete a, a style of basketball they were ill-equipped to play is going to be gone. So that those right. those those days are gone. Now it's going to be a lot more fun to see. Okay, this is the vision they've laid out. How close are they to realizing that vision and can that vision be the a, a real success in this league like can cat delo beasley cat delo edwards be like the group that now raises this franchise to a more sustainable place than it has been you know in 15 16 years that's the question, man. Um, I won't take any more of your time. Sorry for the the pump, the nine minute pump fake. Yeah, that's all right. We... <laughs> We're all working out the case. Uh, exactly, um, John. You do great work at the Athletic. Um, excited to read you and Britt there. Uh, what is is the Black Friday deal still going? What's what's the what's the latest? I think by the time people uh, listen to this, it probably will be expired. But um, you know us, like we have deals coming right around the corner every other. <laughs> every other day. So, um, you know, maybe by Christmas we'll have another one for you, but, uh, yeah, just like super excited. Like, I think it'll, it's going to be a fun season to follow. There's a ton of interest in the team right now, which is, which is really cool. And, you know, Britt and I will be doing our best to make the subscriptions worth it for everyone who who wants to jump on board. And, um, it's going to be, there's going to be, there's just a ton to write about. And so we're not going to have any lack of, storylines are not going to have any lack of angles for quite a while um and so it's a great time to to kind of dig in and 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 see what's going to happen with this thing well i appreciate you man you guys do a great job and i will see you yes at a basketball game soon i haven't seen you in like a year that's crazy (laughs) i mean i see i see your little face here on these these zoom calls all the time but um seriously thank you for doing this john and uh and we'll chat soon. Absolutely. Good luck in the new venture and uh, excited to see how that turns out. Thanks, man. All right. That's John Krasinski at John Krasinski on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA until next week. Not next week. Tomorrow. Jace Frederick's coming on. Um, we'll get that you then. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.